Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. A little bit of technical snafu here, Seth and Sean Sports Radio. We're back. At least we got the at least we got the intro song going. Seth Kamen's there. Sean Palmer here. New York here. A little bit of humidity today, but you know you really can't complain because we complain all winter that it's cold, and then we get days like today where there's a little bit of humidity, and we complain again. So there's really no winning here, but all in all, not a bad day. I wouldn't know. I, I wore shorts to the office. I, and then I went, I sat in the office all day and came home. The little dude is playing in the ball pit, and uh, I'm just sitting here chilling. We're going to talk kind yeah. of an interesting week in sports. A lot of a lot of kind of strange one-offs. Uh, so, first of all, why are we opening with Syracuse basketball? What did I okay. miss? Is this the big three tournament? Is that where we're going? No, 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 no. So there is the big three tournament, which is Ice Cube's thing, right, which is a three-on-three right. basketball tournament that he's starting this year. And supposedly they, they got some big ex-NBA players to play in it. And there is a grand prize, yada, 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 yada. And Alan Iverson was supposed to attend and never did, but we'll see. Then you have what's called the basketball tournament. So the basketball tournament started two years ago for $500,000 winner take all. And you were, there was an entry fee. So people had to organize kind of like what they used to have I don't know, on, in Nassau Coliseum in the playground. But it's a full-court game. You have to pay an entry fee. I don't know what the entry fee was. It's $1,000 per player on top of that. And you can have anybody you want. You can have ex-NBA players. You can have NBA players, which probably would not work because of contract negotiations, but certainly foreign players. Foreign, you can have a, a team from Spain. You could have a team from, from Japan. You could have a team made up of all ex-Syracuse players. You can have a team made up of all ex-Ohio State players. So what has come out of this? This is the third year, I believe, of this tournament. And now the prize is $2 million, winner take all. And that's, that's a good amount of coin. I mean, if you're thinking about guys that are just playing or not playing, right? So you got Eric Devendorf, who's earning probably less than hundred grand, being the strength and conditioning coach for the Syracuse Orangemen or the Syracuse Orange, and now he has a chance to play in this which he's one of 13 players for a $2 million winner-take-all prize. Part of this is once the teams were selected, say there were 30 teams, the teams that were in the 16-team tournament 
were based on fan voting. So the fans got involved as well. There are sponsors, and, and the top 100 fans, and I don't know how they coordinate the top 100 fans, also take home a little bit of the prize money as they win. So it's become, over the last four weeks, a pretty big deal, and the semifinals are actually tonight. They just started. The first game just started. It's on ESPN. ESPN actually picked this up. It's become, it's become big enough. And the 9 o'clock game is the Syracuse team, which has Eric Devendorf, it has Dante Green, it has Josh Pace, it, on and on and on. All ex-NBA, all ex-Syracuse players, Hakeem Warwick is even playing on the team. This is their third year, the first year they're making the Final Four in this event, and they are up against the reigning champions. I don't remember the team's name. I'll have to get that who has never lost in the event in three years. So they are the two-time defending champions, and they play Team, TB, team, team TBT. No, no, no. It's Bayheim's Army, which is Syracuse, versus the right. overseas elite, and that's at 9 o'clock. And that's what I'm saying. This is a group of just overseas players that have come together for a $2 million prize. And this is the equivalent of of better than Seth and Sean playing pickup basketball full court. I mean, much better. But the fact no, is, sure. that's what it is. So it's pickup basketball with referees. And they've made it into a $2 million winner-take-all event with, obviously, sponsorship. As the tip goes right now, if you're watching on ESPN, they're playing down in Baltimore. The Challenge ALS, which... If you recall the ALS um, water challenge, you remember a couple of years back? So the ice bucket challenge. So the challenge ALS team is focusing on supporting the guy who the ice bucket ALS challenge was supposed to um, uh, benefit as well. And they've said that they will, if they win, they will donate $250,000 of their winnings towards this guy's medical expenses. And they're the sixth seed. The two seed is Scarlet and Gray. And if you know anything about Big Ten basketball, where's the Scarlet and Gray? That's Ohio State. Exactly. So you're looking at Aaron Croft. Yep. And, yeah, Aaron Croft, the point guard, and David Lighty, probably, and a couple other guys. Yeah. Right. And And Jared Sollinger has averaged. This is probably his uh, getting free publicity in addition to having a chance right. to a couple hundred grand. Well, that's part of it, too, is that these guys are trying to utilize this as a springboard back into either a foreign league or a – it's just another way to showcase your talents. And I think it's a great thing. It's summer basketball. Uh, Scooney Penn is the, is the coach of Ohio State, by the way. So Love Scooney it's Penn. Just, and, and Ryan Blackwell, who used to play for Syracuse, is the coach of the Orange, or Bayheim's Army, excuse me. So what the, all these players are trying to do, and coaches too, Ryan Blackwell is a high school coach. So they're trying to parlay this experience into bigger and better things for them and more power to them because, quite frankly, Seth, you might watch this. You're certainly not going to watch baseball on a Tuesday night in August, 
But I know you. If there is a basketball game that's worth its salt on TV and you're flipping around, you're going to watch it, whether it's pickup or not. And if you're seeing guys like Aaron Croft and Scooney Penn, like you just said, guys that you recognize, Jared Sullinger, even if it's pickup basketball, you're likely to watch. Yeah, well, Scooty kind of holds a special place in my uh, in my heart. In 1999, I went to the to the regional, uh, where, where the only regional I ever went to for Maryland, and Maryland lost in a pretty bitter game to St. John's, and we ended up getting it going out with the Ohio State guys, the Ohio State uh, brethren who kind of went down as well, uh, and a team led by Michael Red and Scooty Penn went to the Final Four. And they were singing the Hey, Hey, Scooney, Scooney, Hang On, the, uh, play, kind of a play on the, beach, the old Beach Boy song, Hey, Sloopy, for like three hours straight. So based on that, I've always had kind of an affinity for Scooney Penn. Yeah, and you know what? You're pro- now that I've told you about this, I oh, by the way, Darren Collison is the coach of the Challenge ALS team. So there are NBA players not playing, but coaching. You, you can't imagine that. And then, yeah, when Bayheim's Army plays at 9 o'clock, you're going to see Carmelo Anthony on the sideline. That when Syracuse played in the semifinal, now, uh, sorry, in the quarterfinals, the quarterfinals and the Elite Eight took place at Long Island University in Brooklyn, uh, just down the ways a little bit. And 80% of the fans were, were wearing orange. 80. I can only imagine being in Carmelo's backyard in Baltimore that you're going to see a similar type of show from the Syracuse faithful. And like I said to you before, it's basketball in August and you don't get to see basketball in August outside of the Olympics, which is every four years. This ain't such a bad thing. It's not. Um, we're kind of in that. Okay. I'm not quite excited yet for the, the hall of fame game. Uh, on Sunday, and you know, college football is still a month away, and we're still—I mean, now that we're out of trade, we're past the trade deadline, we're kind of just in the August, the dog days of August for baseball. And even the U.S. opens are a good three or four weeks away, so there's not that much going on from a uh, from a sports perspective. Will I watch it? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, again, it's up to the semis. Um, but I also have a deal and for. With my wife, that as someone who watches sports nine, ten months a year, and this kind of being the month I take off, I have to kind of negotiate a little bit on this one, a little bit on this. Am I following what's going on a, a little bit? But, um, you know, it should be fun. And look, you can never go wrong watching pickup basketball. The only thing better than watching pickup basketball is playing pickup basketball. So, so I would to- totally I, agree. I, I wish you're cute. I wish your Q's luck, but I'll probably be rooting for Team ALS for obvious reasons. Well, yeah. Well, Team ALS right now is playing the Scarlet and Gray. I think if there is a player outside of J.J. Redick and Christian Leitner and anybody that wears a Duke uniform that I think all college basketball fans can agree on, except for Ohio State fans, that they have despised in the last five years, it's Aaron Kraft. I, mean, I think he's. I think he, aside from any player that wears a Duke uniform, he may be the most despised player in the last twenty years in the NBA, in the NCAA, and he wasn't oh, that good. 
Yeah, he was he 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 was a play on he was a play on Wojo. Yeah, he was just so. annoying. He was, and he beat Syracuse <laughs> in, in in the Elite Eight, which didn't help me I, whatsoever. And I actually remember that game because I was on a first date with somebody with an Ohio State fan. We did not have a second date. I was going to say, I'm assuming the second date didn't go very well. Uh, no, the second date never happened. So it wouldn't have well, that's mattered. what I meant. That's kind of what yeah. I meant. So kind of going back to the dog days of, of August, obviously we, we, we got to talk a little bit about the trade deadline. Um, we do. The big key, as you said, this, does, does, this, does this deadline – May give you, you know, kind of bring back 1981 or 1977 or 1978 or half of the 50s. I don't think so, <laughs> but uh, it would be pretty nice as a Yankee fan if they did. Uh, the Dodgers picking up you, Darvish, kind of cementing themselves as the, I, as I don't want to say an overwhelming favorite because, but they've certainly been the best team in baseball this year. And picking up a Darvish to be a number two or number three behind Kershaw and Wood. Is not a, for a couple of prospects. This is a team that hasn't won a championship in almost 30 years. It hasn't even, I don't, have they even made, I don't think they've made a World Series in, in, since 88. So, correct. This is a team that, this is not a team that is looking for, for patience at this point. They want it now. Well, they want it now for a couple of reasons. And first of all, they just want to win. But let's understand. Well, it's obvious. There's that, a couple of things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but there are a couple of things in, that are playing against them. Number one, now they have two football teams in L.A. And that's not to say that the Dodgers will ever have to take a backseat to the Rams or the Chargers. And in, in all likelihood, they never will. But there's more competition in L.A. than there was even two years ago for the amount of money. So, number two. Dodger Stadium is not the easiest place to get to, as you and I both no. a- agree on. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it took us 90 minutes to get 30 miles, and it took us another hour to get in, into the stadium from the parking lot. So it's not as if it's an easy thing to do. There's only so much money that goes around in L.A. So you've spent a lot of money. The Guggenheim team spent a lot of money. Magic Johnson at the time spent a lot of money. All these players spent a lot of money. They have the highest payroll in Major League Baseball, by far, not even close. And that's saying something when you're when you're in New York and you deal with the Yankees and the Red Sox all the time. It's not even close. They got more salary on the DL than some teams have in the entire. They they've paid off more salary for guys not to play than some starting lineups. So the fact is, no, there's no patience in L.A. right now. This is who they are. This is what they have to do. They didn't really have any holes before this, and now they have even less holes. And it's not even the Darvish. I mean, look, Darvish was a big get. I won't won't say it, but it really depends on which Darvish you're getting. In the last eight starts, Darvish, you Darvish, has had, had over five ERA. Are you getting that, you Darvish? Are you getting the you Darvish? That strikes out 220 batters a year. Keep in mind, a little tidbit, the team with the most wins in the Major League Baseball generally does not win the World Series. 
I think it's maybe 30% of the time they win the World Series, the most wins. So just because they are absolutely decimating the competition in the regular season, look, you, you had a situation where Randy Johnson was traded midseason from Seattle to Houston. He went 10-1. and one. They didn't get past the first round. And that was their big equation. You had Mark McGuire going midseason, hit 24 home runs for the Cardinals in half a season. They didn't even make the playoffs. So you can have this big acquisition midseason. You can win a lot of games. Just because you have the best pitching, just because you have the best hitter, just because you win the trade deadline, doesn't necessarily mean you're making the playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs, doesn't mean you're winning the playoffs. Baseball is a funny game like no. that. No, I mean, another good example, the Mariners in 2000, was it 2001, where they won, it was 116 games? Yep. And, or 2000 and got promptly knocked out, some ridiculous number, and promptly got knocked out by the Yankees. So, I know, I completely yep. agree. As I said, it made them, the, it made them a solid favorite. I think, I, I, think, I think it would be hard-pressed to have anyone else favored over them at this point. But by no means, with a, a really good team in Washington – Although any team that, that's, that's managed by Dusty Baker, I always kind of wonder about. Um, you know, the, the Cubs are having an awful year, but they're still the Cubs if they, can, if they can sneak in. I mean, right now it is you're looking at a two-team race, you would think, but it's still too early. to say. You, you do never know what happens in a five-game series. Kershaw is injured, and he has not been a phenomenal – as amazing as he's been as a regular season pitcher, he has not been amazing in the playoffs – so we'll see, but as a betting man, it would be hard-pressed to go with anyone other than the Dodgers right now. You go to the American League, it, well, is, it is really a free-for-all, I would think. Were you going to yeah, disagree? Just let me touch, well, let me touch upon your, your, your National League for a second, because, uh, look, I agree with you that I don't believe there is anybody that's coming out of the West besides the Dodgers. I mean, they're going to win probably 105, 106 games in all likelihood. So, so they got that division. But, uh, and I know you're not the biggest Dusty Baker fan. I get that. But let's remember, Dusty Baker has made it to two World Series. He hasn't won them, but he's made yeah. it. He made it with the Giants. He made it with the Cubs, right? So he's made the World Series. He has not managed effecti- very effectively when he, he got there. Wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. He made it with the Cubs? Yeah, he made didn't, – wasn't he the Bartman guy? No, he was I the don't Bartman think so, was he? Oh, what no, they doing? didn't make the World Series. I'm sorry. They, they, they lost, they, to, they they lost, lost to the Marlins. They lost to the Marlins. So he's made a World Series. Sorry. Speaking of Steve Bartman, we'll talk about that in a second. But right. as I bring that up. But he's made a World Series. He didn't win. He lost with the Giants. He's got the workhorses in Washington to succeed. And he's got the best pitcher in the league in Max Scherzer. So I wouldn't sleep on Washington. I actually think Washington's got a better lineup. I think they got a much better lineup if they're healthy. And so far they have been. I think they shored up their, their... relief in a major way by getting both Doolittle and Madsen from Oakland and yesterday getting the Minnesota closer. I can't remember his name, but a guy that keeps the ball. 
I'm sorry? Did they get McConan also back? McConan? I, I don't know who you're talking. He, the guy from the old Pittsburgh. I don't know who. The guy, well, he was on Pittsburgh. He went to the Giants. I thought they traded for someone else in addition to Madsen and Doolittle. Okay, I could be wrong. Well, you, I'm going to look this more than I do. I'm going to look Mark, up Washington uh, National Trent. Not what? You mean Melikonson? Yeah, Melikonson. No, they did not get Melikonson. Melikonson signed a huge contract with uh, right. with the Giants. He, they did not Sorry. get Melikonson. No. Okay, for some reason, <laughs> okay, I thought so they, yes, for some reason I thought they would. They traded for him as well. No, yesterday they brought. Yesterday they got Brandon Kitzler, Kinsler from uh, Minnesota, and Kinsler is not your typical closer, but he's going to be there in Washington. It's interesting. He's 33 years old. This is the first, second year he's closed. He's got a whip of 1.15, an ERA of 2.78. He's pitched 45 innings, and he's only struck out 27 batters. That's generally certainly not, not the your profile. typical reliever. <laughs> no, or your tip, certainly not your typical closer. His average speed is 93 miles an hour with his sinker. He just doesn't give up home runs. So this year he's given up three home runs in 45 innings. He's walked only 11 guys in 45 innings. So he may not strike out guys, but he keeps the, he keeps the ball in the park. His whip is, is a one point, I had a second, 1.15. 1.15. He gives up one. Yeah. So he keeps the ball on the ground. He's a sinker ball pitcher. Perfect for a closer that doesn't have that amazing stuff. And he's just like Melikonson. He's the same type of player that doesn't have amazing fastball, but makes it up with location. And look, we all know the best pitcher of our generation didn't strike out many players. And that was Greg Maddox. He didn't throw it very hard. He just knew where to throw it. So, I don't think you sleep on the Nationals. In fact, if I had to pick right now a team coming out of the National League, I would pick the Nationals, especially with the fact that Kershaw is hurt and especially with the fact that you Darvish has not done well. And look, let's assume that Darvish is there, Kershaw is healthy, and Wood's healthy. Okay, who's pitching game four? Is it Brandon McCarthy who can't stay healthy? Is it Ryu Jin who can't stay healthy? Is it Kent Maeda who can't stay healthy? The problem is any one of those guys can implode. And I would probably take Strasburg, Gonzalez, and Scherzer, and with a John Ross over those guys. But uh, and the I, lineup, I, I think. I would take. I'm not disagreeing with you. I think the, the first three of Washington, if healthy, are the best is the best starting three in baseball by a relatively significant yep. margin. Um, I think I think it right now you're looking at those two as a class above anyone else, though, in the National League. Yes, I would agree. Uh, okay, with that in mind, I absolutely agree. They are a class above anybody else. And truth be told, there is nobody else. I mean, that's it. So, I mean, you have your Cubs, you have your Cardinals, you have your who are not really in it. You have your 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 Pirates. Who, are, who made a, a slight run, the Rockies, who are the feel-good story, and you have the Diamondbacks, who are the really feel-good story. If they get into the 
playoffs, which is likely. Look, they got they got one of the best three pitchers in the National League in Zach Greinke. So can they combine that with somebody else? Either way, the National League, you're right. You have the top two and then a cut underneath. The American League is one big cluster of epic proportions. There, nobody has run away with it. The Yankees, Red Sox, and, and Rays are all fighting for the, for the East. And the best part about that is if you live in New York, it's an unbalanced schedule in Major League Baseball. So you're going to see the Red Sox and Yankees playing a whole lot in the next couple of weeks. And that makes it a lot of fun. I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking at the schedule right now of those teams. But, look, the Red Sox didn't get to do very much yesterday. They got Addison Reed from, from my New York Mets and pretty much just stayed. They got Eduardo Nunez last week, brought up Rafael Devers, their stud third-base prospect. Other than that, they pretty much stayed relatively calm. They spent a lot of their, uh, a lot of their chips. They put a lot of their chips in the middle for Chris Sale last, last winter. But your Yankees came up big. They came up big. Yeah, they did. Um, I was not as enthralled with the with the White Sox trade as other people seem to be. Um, I do like the relievers they brought in, but it, it is, they have so many relievers to begin with. Um, you know, with the Chapman and Batances apparently kind of back, seemingly back on their game. You know, with Robertson and I forget the other the guy they brought in the. the the fastball pitcher. Tommy Cahali. Um, Tommy Cahali. Yeah. I mean, what's nice, as a Yankee fan, you look at it and say, all right, you kind of compare it to, well, okay, the, you know, you want to say the nasty boys in the 90s, in the early 90s, where you can get through six innings, that is a devastating seven, eight, and nine. Um, and they can go in a lot of different ways with between Adam Warren and Chad Green and all these other guys. The trade for Sonny Gray, it, is interesting. And I think it obviously makes a lot of sense, even from a fiscal, and you don't usually think about the Yankees from a fish, making fiscal moves, but Sonny Gray is on, their, on a very reasonable contract. You have him for two more years. Is he an ace? Is he a Yankee stadium ace? I don't know. I don't think so, but he's a solid, he's a solid innings eater pitcher. I think he'll do well there. They gave up, they did give up a couple big, a couple big prospects, but both two of them are injured. One coming off Tommy John surgery, the other the other one, uh, Dustin Fowler, got hurt in his first career game in Yankees, first major league game. But the problem is with the Yankees, they're now so deep in the outfield that you know the, the Florio, who was a big prospect, and Mateo, who was a big prospect. I don't know when they would get to play between Frazier and Judge, and you have you, know, you still have. You know, Aaron Hicks is coming back and has been very solid. You have a $200 million pinch runner in, in Jacob, Jacoby Ellsbury. I don't know when they get to play. So to give up two or three prospects for a guy that you can control for a reasonable salary for the next two and a half years, I, I like it. Um, you know, Cashman has given Girardi the tools to make a run this year. Also because no, the American League is pretty hard to read. Houston probably needed another pitcher, didn't get it. Other, you know, other than Lance McCullers hasn't has been injured, the team has kind of fallen off a little bit from a pitching perspective. So I think you're looking, you you look at you look around and you're saying, man, the American League really there is no. I don't think there really is a favorite right now in the American League. Well, I 
I wouldn't disagree Would with that Houston? at all. I, I, oh. No, I, well, look, if Houston's healthy, they're the they're the favorite, but they're not healthy. And not healthy. Dustin Keuchel and Lance McCullers and Carlos Correa, they have an eight game lead in the Nat, in the American League. But if you look at the wild card, now, let's assume the Yankees have to play the wild card game too, right? Because the Yankees are fifty seven and forty seven. The Boston is 58 and 49. So two games behind in the loss column. That's all. And one, one ahead in the win column. So they're basically a game and a half behind Boston with the Yankees at three games in hand. The, the goal coming into this season for the Yankees was not to make the playoffs. Now, no, you can tell me, you could tell me Brian Cashman always says, I need to make the playoffs. I need to. No, no, no. It wasn't. It was, let's get back on track with our young kids, and we're going to play for 2018. Let's get these guys some experience, and then we'll play for 2018. But the guys that they have put out there, the Severinos, the Judges, the Frasers, have just been better than what they thought they ever were going to get out of these guys. So if that's the case and you have a chance to play for the playoffs, and you're the Yankees which means, okay, I can give up two or three prospects because I'll just buy somebody else's prospects. And not to say that they've done that in the last couple of years, because they haven't. But they have the ability to do it if they need to. You always go for it. Yeah. There's, there's, this, this is a no-brainer. You get Sonny Gray. Seth, if he wasn't signed for two more years, they should have still done the deal. Maybe not for the prospects that they gave up. Maybe only for two of them, not three of them. But you're Brian Cashman, and you're looking at, I got a chance to make the playoffs one year before I was supposed to make the playoffs, and I'm not giving up a Judge, a Severino, a uh, Frazier, even a Taurus who's hurt the whole year. I'm not giving up my top four guys. You make that every day and twice on Sunday, and – let me ask you this. If Joe Girardi, and I like Joe Girardi. I think he is. A, I was going to ask you, same, good, ask you this question. He's a good soldier. But I don't know how good of a manager he is. By the way, I just saw an air ball on TV. You don't see that very often. But uh, for those that are following at home, Ohio State led by Aaron <laughs> Kraft uh, are up 19-13 to 13 over Challenge ALS. Uh, it's on ESPN if you'd like to see. Is Joe Girardi safe? Let's assume they don't make the playoffs. Is he safe? Because I don't think he is. I think he's gone. I don't think he's safe, but I'm not sure if he's gone. But this was the question I was going to ask you. Is I was going to ask you the exact same question. Um, I do think he would be in trouble. He won his championship eight years ago. Um, or something along those lines. So at a certain point, yeah, I mean, he's been a good, to quote you, a good soldier. And they've made the playoffs over the last five years. But they, they haven't been – in New York, most of the time, you don't get this much time for one championship. Um, my gut would say he may stay one more year. They may give him one more year because this year was not anticipated in the way it was. And, that could be in part to credit with, for it with him, credit to to 
Girardi for kind of helping to build this. Um, but I think he stays one more year. And I also don't know who's out there who's going to be better. But of course, I said that. Well, about in New York, sometimes why would you ever? Why would you ever? Why would you ever fire Buck Showalter? And you bring in a bum like Joe Torre. So you know, what do I know? Well, that was kind of what I was going to say. In New York, does that ever matter? Can I get somebody better? It really doesn't matter. It's the guy has failed. So if he's failed, then I'll find somebody better. It doesn't matter who that person is. And Buck Showalter had that problem. I'll even say Rex Ryan had that problem because I don't think Todd Bowles is a better coach than Rex Ryan. But, and that happens often in New York, is it's not so much who, who can I get, it's who did I, who, what did the last person not do enough of? The interesting thing in the rest of the American League is if you take out Houston, who has a 15-game lead, on Seattle. So let's assume that's not going to fall. Okay. You have one team at 58 wins, the Red Sox, two teams at 57 wins, one team at 55, two teams at 54, two teams at 51, and two teams at 50. So between 57 and 50 wins, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams. So you're going to get two division winners out of that and two wild cards because I have to assume that Houston is pretty much safe. So who won yesterday and who lost? To me, the biggest winner of yesterday has nothing to do with an individual team but has to do with the team's fans, and that's the Kansas City Royals. We talked about this last week where there are teams like the Yankees That will always win. Their window is perpetual, right? I mean, they don't have a window. They're just never going to have that window close. I mean, last year, I think it was the first year they were under 500 in 20 years. So the window is never going to close on them. Then you have teams like Minnesota and you have teams like Seattle. And you, although Seattle probably shouldn't be in there, Kansas City. I love that Kansas City didn't do a fire sale and trade off Hosmer and Musakis and Perez and Escobar and Lorenzo Kane. In fact, they added, showing their fans that they have a chance. And right now they're in the wild card. Now, unfortunately for that team, one of their better players and maybe their best pitcher, Yovano Ventoro, passed away this past year. So you didn't really balance for that. You didn't you didn't plan for that. And here they are in the wild card at fifty five and forty nine right now. Actually two and a half games up on the wild card. So good for them. The Yankees are a winner. Cleveland stayed pat except for getting a little bit of relief. But at the same time, did Cleveland really need very much? Maybe another starter. Everybody needs a starting pitcher. Everybody. But starting pitching was, as usual, in few and far, uh, few supply, far between. Few and far between. And then we see, and then we see the White Sox at forty-one and sixty-two, 
and see Johan Moncado getting carted off yesterday after a after a possible uh, concussion. By the way, the Yankees are down three nothing in the first inning. But Challenge ALS has come back to tie the game with a three. No, almost. Anyway, so yesterday, well, wait. So we got the Hall of Fame game coming up this week. So NFL is in somewhat back. Yes, no. I mean, are you are you going to watch it? Um, no, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I just, I showed a tweet that someone posted on some, last Sunday night, showed it to Carly, and I saw the tears go in her eye that this was a last weekend without a football game until February. And while it brought a smile <laughs> to my face, it did not bring a smile to hers. Um, she is already dreading the two or three nights that we're, that I'm going to be taking I'm going to be, uh, back to singlehood for uh football drafts. Um, it's hard. To, I don't get particularly excited about preseason. Um, you know, I'll watch a little here, a little there, just to see if a couple of how a couple of the rookies are doing. I'll see. You know, as a Giants fan, I kind of want to see what's going on with them. But football is not really back to me until the next to last week of uh, a fan uh, of preseason. The third game is the one that usually I kind of watch. Um, a lot of times that's the Giants and the Jets, but it's it, – because they're playing a little bit more seriously. Nobody plays in the, in, the, in the fourth preseason game. So, to me, it's more just kind of reading up on things, following up on – you know, just kind of following what's going on. But I have no interest in really watching tomorrow or on, on Saturday. Or so, we – so, the Hall of Fame game means that the inductions of the Hall of Fame are this weekend. Are you looking forward to any of these speeches whatsoever? Because there's always a speech that I find interesting, and there is one that I am looking forward to hearing. Well, kind of going through. I'm trying to think. I, no, I mean, who, I know that Tomlinson's being inducted. I know that Davis is being inducted. Warner is being inducted. That one is probably going to be pretty interesting, considering his background. It's one. I. I'm right, right? Warner is the one. I'm trying to remember the six off the top of my head who are being inducted this year. So it's well, okay, those that it's Warner. Okay, here it is. Morgan Davis. Anderson, Terrell Davis, Easley, Taylor. Oh, Jerry Jones would probably be the most interesting. Um, yep, <laughs> there you go. Will I watch it? Probably not. Um, I I don't care about the, that, this kind of thing. Um, you know, I am not a huge Hall of Fame person. You know, we, we've talked about – now, this is actually a pretty solid class, but I, I have always been the Hall of, Hall of Fame. It should be the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Very Good. And I kind of feel that in all Hall of Fame. And while these players kind of looking through, although, you know, Terrell Davis is always going to be a question mark. And um, it's a good class, but – there's nobody that exciting other than Jerry jo- exciting or that charismatic other than Jerry Jones. Um, so his speech I may watch on YouTube at some point, but I, I have no, I, I have no interest in staying home to watch it. Fair enough. So just to give everybody a preview of where we are as far as our schedule coming up. So our fantasy football preview will probably be on 
I'm looking at the schedule right now. Now, this takes into account the fact that I'm going to be 12 hours away. So we've got to figure that in here as well because I will be in Hong Kong and Tokyo the last two weeks of August. So our NFL preview will be the week of September 5th, right before the, right before the, the opening the draft. season starts on yeah. September 7th. So, so we'll do that on September, on September 5th or September 6th, and we'll work out a date on that. Our fantasy football preview will be done on the 29th. Uh, times are yet to be determined as obviously it would be much easier for me if it was a little later in, in the evening, but Seth and I will work on that. And our college football preview will be on the 22nd, again, depending oh, on time. Always Sean, always Sean's, always Sean's favorite, uh, favorite uh, show. Yeah, and it, 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 it might even be this year that I may delegate that to somebody else. Because that will be my first week in Japan, and uh, I, will, I will be a little overwhelmed with both language barrier and, to tell you the truth, Syracuse is going to suck. So, I mean, me picking <laughs> college football, as we, have, as we have known for years and years and years. Remember, my Heisman Trophy winners over the last, like, three years, I believe included uh, the quarterback from UCLA – Brett something or other, Hunley, Brett Hunley, who I really thought was oh, going to be Hunley, a top right. five pick in the, in the NFL draft and go to the Jets. So the, the ironic thing is that Jet, Brett Hunley will be a free agent after this year, and the Jets don't suck enough. He's going to go to the <laughs> Jets as their starter anyway. It'll just be three years later with a little bit of tutoys from one Aaron Rodgers. I would be very happy with that if that actually happened. So uh, I will talk with Seth, and, and perhaps we might get a sub for that. But we'll definitely be talking the NFL and fantasy football. And, you know, Seth, the, the other day, James Conner, the running back from the Steelers, who happens to have the, the highest-selling rookie jersey, and I believe the third-highest-selling overall jersey, in the NFL since the draft, which I find to be incredible, except for the fact that he's from Pittsburgh. He went to Pittsburgh and he's playing for Pittsburgh and he's a cancer survivor. So everybody likes a good story. Came down with a shoulder injury and, and the leverage for Le'Veon Bell just keeps going up and up and up and up. And I got to tell you, if he doesn't sign, you and I are in a lot of trouble, my friend. A lot of trouble. Oh, he, oh, he's not going anywhere. This is a guy who is going to play. He's going to. Play, he's not going to miss a game check, but he will play angry, angrier, and angriest if he does not have a contract. So I'm not too concerned, and and I also can't be because I have to keep him in my other league as well. So <laughs> I kind of have. I kind of have to play. And by believe it or not. Bit. And, of course, it wouldn't be a fancy football year if Sean Palmer wasn't pretty much stressing over his keepers, which I seem to always do. But this year is even more important as I, we have Le'Veon Bell in one league and I have Ezekiel Elliott in the other league who the decision on Ezekiel Elliott and the suspension 
will be coming down next week. And the food for thought along all along some football subscribers is that he could, if he wasn't going to get suspended, they would have said something this week and done it during the Hall of Fame week. And if he was going to get suspended, they would do it next week so Jerry Jones wouldn't have a pulpit in which to talk about it at the Hall of Fame. What do you think about that? I think, I it's, think, a good, it's, I think it's a good right. thought. I think it's probably I mean, right. Now, uh, well, you know, every year – well, this I mean, and I wonder if this is the last year that we are able to keep – you know, our, our dynamic duo, but no way at a certain point we're keeping, are we keeping Antonio Brown until he's 73 years old? Until he takes up yes. 85% of our entire class, entire cap. <laughs> we are all, listen, we are always left with $10. So I have no problem. You, the, the funny thing is for those that do play in auction fantasy leagues, which is what Seth and I do under the humble, uh, auspices of our friend and uh, I won't call him a mentor. That's a bad idea because then he gets a bigger mentor. Head. But <laughs> right, exactly. Our friend and colleague, that's a better way, uh, Sir Nabate Isles, um, is that Was he knighted we by have the had look... <laughs> Oh, no, I think he's knighted by Elton inside? John. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh is that every single year that we continue to keep these two guys, they are up $10 combined. So we have kept them, I believe, three years now combined? Yes? Yes. Mm-hmm. So yep. if, we've had, if we've had them for three years, this will be $30 more to our cap. The issue is that every year Seth and I look at this roster and we look at guys that we really, really want, and the bidding goes up and up and up and – our favorite tight end, Greg Olson, always seems to be that guy that we just go, one more dollar, one more dollar, <laughs> one more dollar, one more dollar. And then we say, nope, we're done. We'll, we'll go get Jason Witten for a dollar. We're good. We're done. We're done. We're done. And then we wind up at the end of the draft with 10 extra dollars somehow that we definitely could have gotten Greg Olson for. But we always seem to have that extra money at the end. So as far as I'm concerned, as long as we keep having 10 extra dollars at the end of the draft and we're winning, we're obviously doing something right that we can spend that extra $10 every year on these two guys. Oh, there'll be no issue. There'll be no question about, about them this year. And I mean, I'm pretty comfortable with who I think our third keeper will be. I assume you are too. Um, but you know, Booby Dixon. Booby we'll, we'll Dixon. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I kind of want to jump uh, to a sport. You know, we we don't talk about too often. We do have to talk a little a little MMA. Sean, um, I I know, but you kind of have to discuss it a little bit. Um, John Jones. Ronda Rousey coming back. back? Ronda Rousey's not coming back. He, Ronda Rousey's not walking Darn through it. that door. Then forget it. Go is. talk. I, I, oh, excellent. Are, are you not even going to discuss this? I'll just keep this for my last five minutes then. Oh, no, no, no. Go talk. I will talk. I, 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 I know where you're going with this. Continue on, my friend and, and oh. colleague. 
<laughs> Thank you. John uh, Jones comes back, beats his beats. I guess it's, as Daniel Cormier said, it's kind of hard to call us rivals when I can't beat them. And truer words have probably never been spoken, unless you're a Red Sox fan from 1918 through 2004. Um, so says the Yankee John, fan. John Jones, yeah, John. Well, when you win 25 and they win zero, it's a little bit difficult. John Jones uh, regains light heavyweight championship with a third-round TKO. He's 30, and I think he's lost one fight in his career, and it was on a, on a cheap disqualification. He is the greatest fighter of all time. Um, after the fight, and there had been bad blood between him and Cormier for probably six or seven years, that seems to have subsided. He calls out Brock Lesnar. Now, Brock Lesnar is a 270-pound monster who's currently in the WWE. The question is, now, you're not a UFC guy to begin with, although you've shown more interest, I believe, in the McGregor-Mayweather fight than I have. Is there any, uh, short of that fight, would something like a Jones-Lesnar, which does have cross, kind of has mainstream appeal, would that, would that, bring, would that interest you as a, as a big sports fan but not an MMA fan? Would that kind of bring you in at all or not really? Well, here's the thing. If you're watching the MMA uh, and you say, Sean, we're going to watch the MMA, even if it was two guys that I knew nothing about, in all likelihood, I'd come over and watch the MMA with you. Like, I'm, I'm not against watching it. I just know nothing about it or nothing about the people, right? So if you recall over this summer, I was at your place, and I know nothing about boxing. Uh, okay, I know next to nothing about boxing. And there was a fight on. It was on Showtime, and you turned it on. You yep. explained to me who the two guys were, and I watched the fight. And I, was, and I was interested in watching the fight because, in some ways, you were interested in watching the fight. And that's not to say everything you're interested in I'm going to watch. I was going to say, you but sound the fact like, is, I was going to say, if my wife heard that comment, Right, oh my God. exactly. <laughs> I knew what that was going. No, the point was, if you're interested in watching a boxing match, it's a good match. You're, you're yeah. interested in watching an MMA match, it's a good match. You don't see any redeeming value to watching Mayweather and uh, whatever the guy's name is. I can't remember the guy. Yeah, McGregor. McGregor. You don't see any value in watching it, then it's probably not a good fight. And at that point, I'm going to say, well, if he doesn't think it's a good fight and he actually knows his crap, who am I to say I want to shell out 50 or 60 or $80 to watch a fight that I know nothing about? And truth be told, I don't enjoy watching Floyd Mayweather anyway. I think he's one of the worst no. fighters to watch that I've ever seen. So, or boring, boring fighter. That's a better word. But don't tell them about that. The Bate Isles is going to call in right now and kick your ass over that. But I couldn't agree. Yeah, I, I know. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, but I, mean, I really why, think that he's a boring. Yeah, it's like watching a boring paint dryer. Yeah. yeah, it's watching he's paint dryer or grass writer. Yeah, I have no, you know I have said from the outset, and I am a pretty big boxing guy. I have no interest in this fight. I've never particularly enjoyed right. watching so, Mayweather fight, and to watch him fight a guy. You know, whether he wins or loses, I don't care. I have no rooting. Right. You know, watching, so, I didn't watch any of the press conference. I, they, all, they, they both kind of sickened me a little bit. 
So let's get back to your point. So your point was, would I watch Lesnar, John Jones, any more than I would watch the Bata Owls, Floyd Mayweather in a fight? If you said it was a good fight, I would watch it because I know next to nothing. The fact is that Brock Lesnar actually has some name value to me, and that might draw me a little bit closer. If that's where you're getting at, then yes, it, it would be some some more of a pull, a a a, a quick a, a easier draw to get me. But would I pay for a fight just because it's John Jones versus Brock Lesnar? No. No. I mean, it wouldn't matter if it was Brock Lesnar versus uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. I probably wouldn't pay for it, although that would be interesting. Um, that would be kind that of would probably more that, that, that <laughs> would probably more be like the Manute Bowl boxing fights, boxing matches that were on <laughs> versus, a while Versus Butterbean. But, right, yeah. that was it. So, so to answer your question – Yes, it would interest me only to the point that you be, you believe it would be a good fight. Let me ask you this: Would it be a good fight? I think Jones. I think Jones would beat him. Um, I. It would probably it would probably be pretty interesting. I don't know if I'd be willing to pay for it. Um, you know, maybe if I had a group of four or five guys and the card was good. The thing with MMA is I I need with boxing. I would, I'm always good with having one big fight, and I'm okay with it. With MMA, I want to see more than one good fight. So if Dana White put well, a good card together, would I get it? Yeah, probably. I would consider it anyway. And if I could find enough well, people, there's the people I used to watch. Yeah. Because, Seth, in MMA, the fights are uh, – boxing, the fights yeah, could be over in two minutes. But MMA, most fights are over in two minutes. So it's a big difference between could be and would be. So I, yeah. I get what you're saying. There needs to be some secondary value to the card. I, I'm totally on it. Okay, so we got about five minutes to go. I know you have something, so let me go very quickly. Congratulations to both Paris and to Los Angeles. So the two, I know we touched upon this a couple of weeks back with the 2024 and 2028 Olympic Games. And in the past, it has always been cities that have – throwing themselves at the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, for the right to basically bankrupt your city. So we want to spend $1.4 billion on the Olympics, so please give it to us. Meanwhile, the, the overruns, the budget is generally 10 times that, and in Sochi's case, 50 times that, and no good. No benefit is derived to the host city after the Olympics. The Olympics leaves. They have all these venues. They have all these, these places like the Olympic Village that are rotten down. Look at Greece. Look at Athens. L.A. and France got together and said, we're not going to handle that. We're not going to do it. We're going to do this on our terms. And if you don't like it, International Olympic Committee, we're going to bow out. And over the last five years, every city but Paris and Los Angeles bowed out of those two Olympics. So what did the so the IOC awarded it? Twenty four to the to France to Paris, twenty eight to LA, both on their terms. Well done. Hopefully there will be a surplus, just like Peter Ubrock did in nineteen eighty four. Way to show them how it's done. Yeah. Now I mean, it's one thing 
trying to prove something, and that's what a lot of these Soji, Rio, a lot of these cities were trying to do. They built up in order to, to be able to access, to have, in order to kind of promote their town, promote their country. Um, Paris doesn't need, you know, Paris and in Paris and Los Angeles have the facilities, so there's. There's not a huge buildup that's going to be necessitated, which is why both of them should be able to be profitable for the first time. It seems like in an eternity in this uh, in this realm. Um, quickly, we had talked briefly a couple of weeks ago in one of our shorter uh, shows about the transfers in far in soccer. Um, well. There is now looking like there's going to be a $222 million transfer or 222 million euro transfer uh, for Neymar, one of the three or four best players in the world, to go to PSG. Did you say, wait, did you say euros? $222 million. I believe it has to be euro because it's in the, it's in the European League. Would it wow. be dollars? Okay, continue on. You, you, got two, you got two minutes left. Continue on. And so now there's going to be – it's very interesting because one of the biggest – Barcelona, the team that Neymar made, will be leaving. There's a whole controversy now about what's called the financial foul play, foul play, which is interesting from Barcelona team who has pretty much bought everyone they've ever wanted, including Leo Messi, all Leo Messi they've had forever, including Neymar, including Luis Suarez. Um, so $222 million. Unbelievable. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is that, and we'll talk about this, I think, more next week, the CTE study that came out where they were 110 out of 111 players um, where were ex-NFL players were found to have some version of CTE. Not a surprise to see um, the, the offensive lineman from uh, Baltimore, John Uwetel, uh, who's getting a PhD in mathematics. If I was him, I would, you know, congratulations to him. Uh, to him retiring, Ryan Clady retiring, Rob Ninovich retiring, not, maybe not all for the same reason, but you know that 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 should that should scare anybody, and kind of you know, and this brings on the Jets. Uh, Jamal Adams making that pick about dying on the field kind of brings it to a whole new yep. level. Um, but we'll talk yeah, about that we'll more. Talk, well, absolutely, I, I was actually embarrassed to hear Jamal Adams say that yesterday. So we'll talk about that. Uh, next week, we'll, we'll talk definitely in depth about CTE. For Seth Cabins, this is Sean Palmer. Sports, yeah, Seth and Sean Sports Radio, <laughs> backsportspage.com. I hear they're back better than ever. Blog Talk Radio. Remember, we got a couple of great shows coming up. Hopefully, we'll get a guest or two, and Seth will have somebody else to pick on for college football because I think I'm just bowing out that week. Okay, we'll see you next week. More talking on CTE. Uh, Again, have a great week. See ya. Peace out, everybody.